You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. It's Ryan. Uh, if you were a kid like we all were, you remember getting into a bounce house. Maybe it was a birthday party. It was a school function. Something was going on, and it was a lot of fun. I want you to picture yourself in a bounce house with your, you know, yourself or your kids, a bounce house that's 25,000 square feet. My guest today, Antonio, is here to talk about his business and his background in business. Um, Antonio, and I'm sorry, I, I want to make sure I pronounce your last name correctly. Well, how do you pronounce your last name? Nieves. 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 It actually Nieves. means snow or ice cream in Spanish. So that's a lot, a lot of fun. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so Antonio Nieves, thank you for being here. Talk to us about, you know, you've got this, this crazy background and you've, you've built yourself into this entrepreneur. Talk about your background, how you came into where you are today. Yeah, I appreciate the introduction, Ryan. Um, yeah, the <laughs> bounce house business is totally new for me. Now, just, just so we're aware, we're not talking about a bounce house rental business. We're talking about the world's biggest bounce park. And this place can hold, you know, upwards of three, 400 people at a time. And wow. on some weekends, we have 2,000 visitors. Um, and so it is, if you could imagine, pretty much a slice of like, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. like taking a little Disneyland and, uh, you know, churning the entire amusement park inflatable and then dropping it in a mall's parking lot. And that's pretty much what we do is we bring a little amusement park to your local, local uh, malls all around America. Wow. Wow. So how did this concept begin? I mean, where, where did you get the idea? Was it something from your childhood or, or how did that happen? Yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up the oldest of 10 siblings. I come from a unique background. Most of us in my uh, in my family and <clears throat> grew up in, in and out of foster care, yeah. and so uh, me being the oldest, you know, I was able to observe a lot of the issues and pains that they were experiencing, and you know, it hurt me a lot. And <clears throat> a lot of the things that I'm doing today are inspired by, you know, being a big brother and making sure that although we are an extremely profitable business. I'm giving back to uh, a demographic or an audience that one, I personally was a part of, and two, that I am passionate about advocating for. Um, you know, Ryan, did you know that, especially with foster care, yeah. you know, uh, most of the help that goes in foster care goes towards babies and toddlers, right? Because it's, it's cute. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Right. We love to really focus on the 16 plus age with a lot of the stuff that we do in the bounce house work. Um, the reason why we do that is because my sister, uh, my younger sister, the second oldest of all my siblings, when yeah. she was getting ready to age out of the foster care system, yeah. um, the resources available to her were pretty much nothing. Not yeah. only is it you know, hard for a normal 17, 18 year old uh, with both parents at home to go to college or find a job, enter the workplace and become an adult. Now imagine not having parents around or, you know, a parental guider. And so for me, it was really important to make sure that everything that we do really gives back and highlights or advocates and supports the age group of foster youth of 16 and older. They need a lot of help and we're here to help them with it. And so, uh, you know, my childhood and background really comes into the business in that aspect. 
would you say, you know, obviously growing up in that environment is not always easy, but it seems like you've, you've kind of spun it around and you've built yourself into, in this, into this entrepreneur that you are. What are the things that you think triggered that for you? How did you go from the this foster kid into becoming an entrepreneur and being so supportive of the, the youth in the community? Uh, I get that question a lot, actually. And uh, uh, I kind of put a little comedy around it. And I say, hey, you know, I feel bad for the kids that had two parents at home because a lot of <laughs> everything was handed to them. They didn't really have to grow up quite as fast as I did. And uh, for me, it really created a lot of curiosity as a kid. I like to say <clears throat> foster youth, and this is uh, proven to be true. When they're looking for attention, they act out in one of two ways. Either they try to receive every accolade and medal that they can to say, hey, look at me. I am important. I can do things. I do have talent. And I fall, I fell under that category. <clears throat> the other category is, you know, when a, lo a lot of other foster youth, unfortunately, fall under which is, you know, my life sucks and, uh, you know, things are hard and, yeah. um, you know, they end up making bad decisions during those, those really difficult years that affect the rest of their life, like ending up in jail or getting pregnant or, you know, getting hooked on uh, something through addiction. And yeah. so, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of kids do follow under the ladder. I was fortunate enough that while I was in school, I really just wanted to prove to everybody that I am worth saving or loving or educating and, you know, that my life can turn into something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Cause you don't, you don't want to be a, I guess, a victim of your situation and you, you spun it around and said, look, you know, here's what I'm going to do with my life given the circumstances I'm in. So that's, that's great. So. Yeah. Do you know, um, do you know of any families that either have adopted or, you know, participated in foster care in some way? Uh, I, I don't know any, I know my, my wife and I, we're actually looking into adoption ourselves. So that's, um, Oh, you know, wow. So, uh, that's pretty exciting. So, you know, I think, um, helping out kids in that, in that way for the, in the world is, is important and it's good to be a part of it. So, yeah. Hey man, bless you. What you're going to do, you know, some of the most, uh, incredible moments of my life that were inspirational were just adults around me and, uh, you know, yeah. I walk with that today. So you're going to play a part like that if you end up adopting. So um, I hope you're ready because it does come with a lot of issues though. So yeah. uh, make sure you talk to some, some families who either have adopted or gone through the process just because you're going to take on a lot. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I would just make sure you do your research before you jump into that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit more about what someone can experience with this bounce house. Cause I looked at your website and you have different games you can play, uh, the age groups. Like, it seems like there's a lot to do in there. Um, talk to us about like, what's the experience like? Yeah. So, uh, the experience is we designed the entire inflatable bounce house or bounce park really, um, to create a sense of discovery and wonder in both kids and adults alike. Um, and the way that we did that through engineering and through design, was we created these unique pockets in the inflatable that made it feel like it was its own room or zone or area. Okay. But when you walk through, say, a doorway or a frog's mouth or, or some type of um, unique archway that is just designed and uh, really well and delivered through intense color and, and bold shapes, you know, it makes you want to walk through the entire inflatable. 
And so what we have really created is unique because it's 25,000 square feet, but we have created a space that is really cool for a millennial who loves TikTok, for a parent who is looking for a nostalgic memory with their kids or grandparent, you know, he'd be surprised at how many 60 plus jumpers I see inside of our space. Really? The little kids that are just there to bounce off the walls and do everything that their mom tells them they're not allowed to do at home, which is jump, slide, run, go crazy. And, you know, just really mingle with a lot of kids and have a good time for 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually see a lot of older people going into this place? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're, wow. they're actually roughly 20% of the business uh, parents going into the space. Wow. Like what's the oldest you would say? Are you talking people over 60, 70? Oh, or- the oldest I've seen in the park. Hey, listen, I have somebody who is involved in the business who helps me out often. He's 74 years old. Wow. And uh, I've seen people that look older than him inside of our park. Um, yeah. And that's actually a really unique part about my business, Ryan. So Uh, what's unique about it compared to trampoline parks is trampoline parks, you know, they have a high risk of injury of either paralyzing or putting a kid in a wheelchair for the rest of their life with some major spine injuries. We've seen it all where, you know, a kid gets double bounced and they get extremely hurt with the inflatable. You could be standing next to six other people bouncing in one area and your jump doesn't affect people around you. So it's an extremely safe environment too. When I'm talking about putting three, 400 people through uh, an inflatable park uh, for a 90 minute session, you would think that something's bound to go wrong. Well, we've had roughly 400,000 visitors to our parks and most of the injuries uh, have been fairly minor. And we've only had a total of, I would say three or four uh, major injuries that, you know, that kind of happens when you're dealing with 400,000 customers. Right, right. Well, I want to ask you, because you, you are looking to expand and grow. I mean, and that seems to be the, the, the difficult side of the business is dealing with the injuries and things like that. Like what, what sort of is the process if something does happen? What, what do you, what are the, what's the protocol for that typically? Oh, that's real easy. Um, you know, we do have uh, injury report that we do immediately. We have systems and processes in place to make sure that our team at the field, at that particular park are ready and able to act when an emergency happens, because when something like that happens, you know, it's oftentimes with a really young kid and uh, the situation can be pretty scary for the parent. And so it's important for us to take immediately, immediate control of the situation. Um, let the parents know that we're here to help them out. We're professional. We know what we're doing. And, um, you know, we have a simple process and protocol that we follow and it seems to be working really well. So the design of it, this is what I'm curious about, because it seems like it was, it was really engineered. Um, how, how much of that, I mean, were you involved with engineering the actual design elements? Every, every square inch from top to bottom. So, um, you know, I took a couple of trips out to China. We didn't really talk about this much, but I used to run before we pivoted to a inflatable park. Our business was a selfie museum business. And we were partnering with Tier B American Malls, we started off at thousand in Thousand Oaks, California at a mall called The Oaks. And we took an 8,000 square foot space and we put roughly 80,000 people through the space within three months. And um, our selfie museum business was then upgraded and moved into larger malls throughout Southern California, primarily in LA County. Yeah. And um, COVID happened, as we all know. 
all of a sudden, my business, which is a business that thrives on people being packed into a tiny maze like sardines. Right. Imagine a haunted house with cute photo ops. Right. That was my selfie museum. We had 46 different exhibits that were designed to really wow our customers. For instance, we had a 20 foot tunnel that was made of 5,000 teddy bears. Yeah. Um, we had wow. a Simpsons living room that was upside down. So you're wow. pretty much like spider pig. If you remember the Simpsons movie, yeah. um, standing on top of the wall. And, yeah. uh, that's, that really was the birthplace for the creativity that we deliver with the inflatable. We learned a lot there. One yeah. thing that we learned is that, uh, female customers of that particular age group, which are children are yeah. not really served with something fun to do. Yeah. Think about all the fun centers that, you know, kids have available to them. What do they have? Arcade games? Yeah, games, rides, slides, things Go like karts. that. Go-karts. Go-karts, yeah. Dodgeball. I yeah. mean, most of that stuff is really for boys and, yeah. and targeted toward a young male audience. And right. so what we deliver is an amazing experience for both the female audience of that age group, young kids, yeah. um, and, and both you know the male audience who is really looking for a fun place to bounce. So we took what we learned from our selfie museum and brought it to our bounce park. What that means is uh, we were involved in the manufacturing, the design, the engineering, every part of it from flying out to China, spending time there with the factory, specking out the specific type of yarn, the specific type of PVC weight, the material laminate, um, everything. And wow. uh, it, it's a hard process. You know, yeah. I personally have been to 15 cities in China. Yeah. Um, I visited over 100 factories personally. Wow. It's easy to find a cheap factory, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's hard to tell a factory that you want high quality stuff. Right. Like, that was very, very hard to teach our Chinese uh, uh, partners. It took us many years to really find the right people in China that understood that not only do we want to reach American standards, but we want to surpass them. And right. um, we think that our design uh, has really achieved that. And the feedback from our customers really helps us feel like we have some confidence moving forward. Yeah, <clears throat> that's great. I mean, I can't imagine the work involved with just preparing to engineer that sort of a, a, uh, an environment. Um, was well, it the, fa the factory that we work with is 3 million square feet to start with. Um, I went to some of these production meetings uh, before we built our first inflatable park, which yeah. we actually uh, had it done and uh, made for us during COVID. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when we were going to, well, actually right before COVID, excuse me, when we were going to these production meetings in China, I mean, we had 80 designers sitting yeah. at a table um, wow. trying to take some of our unique ideas and bring them to an inflatable. Right. And that's got to be hard, right? With 80 people. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Listen, when yeah. you're dealing with the Chinese, you got to be up at 6 p.m. Uh, yeah. I'm in California. So I yeah. need to be up at 6 p.m. to even begin to discuss things with them. Conversations yeah. start at 6 p.m. our time. So yeah. uh, it was a lot of hard work, you yeah. know, dealing and operating the business in the week uh, during the normal day hours and yeah. manufacturing a park overseas in the evening. Um, but we learned a lot and... Uh, we are proud to say that we really understand how inflatables are made and yeah. how customers are hoping that they can evolve over the next 20 years. Yeah. Kind of sad yeah. that, you know, they've been the same 
uh, right. over the past 50 years, right? Like the inflatables that you bounce in are probably the same that your uncles or your grandparents bounced in. Yeah. Uh, there's not much innovation in this industry. And we're really hoping that we can not only build unique spaces, but bring material choices, construction choices, and uh, really uh, raise the elevation uh, for inflatable architecture when it comes to amusement and entertainment for children and families. And I love the fact that you take the idea of creating an environment that can be used for selfies and photos, because obviously that's what kids are doing nowadays. They're on TikTok or social media and they're posting pictures. So it's not just about going in there and, and bouncing around. It's, it's the photo ops, right? It's the experience and the memories you can get from it. Yeah, that's kind of like the the built-in marketing, you know. What what other person in the mall can say that, you know, 20% of their customers are going to go home and post about their store. Uh that's really an added value for us because people love the experience and the brand enough that they're talking about it online or they're talking about it at school or they're talking about it in the office and it really helps us get the word out. You know, we're only in a market for 3 months and so delivering a great experience is a big part of our success. You know, we also want to make sure that our experience is affordable. I grew up in a family that didn't have access to much. And so we want to make sure that those kids also have an opportunity to come check out the bounce park while we're in town. Right. Right. So how much does it cost? I mean, I think I looked at your website. I think it was around 20, $22 a, a person, or is that, is that right? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, during a three month campaign, we like to call uh, a visit to a market, a campaign kind of works like a circus. We're there for three months. Um, the price starts off at $22. Yeah. And, you know, towards the last two to three weeks, we start decreasing the price or two to three uh, months, we start decreasing the price slightly. So that way we can include families that weren't able to participate at the higher price point. Um, and so for us, it's a way to give everybody a chance to visit us before we leave. Um, but also we make sure that our marketing plan includes that we're making enough profit before we do that, you know? Yeah. So when you deflate it, how easy is it to fold it? <laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke, but no, uh, that, 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 I mean, listen, it takes, yeah. it takes 10 days <laughs> and 10 days to, to actually deflate. And then no, store uh, it uh, let, let me, let me be clear. So it takes three, three minutes to inflate roughly 15 to 20 minutes to completely deflate tear down of the inflatable is, you know, roughly 10 days. It's, oh. it, it's like setting up a, a small little music festival. You know, there's a lot of cabling and electrical uh, involved. We have, you know, everything engineered to fit in certain uh, flight crates. So that way you can transport from space to space pretty easily. And uh, for us, it's just a, uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's hard work, but it's fun work. I mean, you're working your butt off for 10 days, but you know that within a week, there's going to be a hundred kids in there bouncing and having a good time with their family. Yeah, that's great. So you said you're looking to grow. Um, what, what can someone expect if they are interested in getting involved as a potential owner, franchisee, what have you, what can you tell people out there who've got some interest in this, op this kind of an opportunity? Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting industry because uh, you know, the franchise opportunity that we offer is not only is it extremely profitable, but you make your money back pretty quickly. Unlike a subway, 
where you know you need 10 years or roughly a couple of years to start making your money back. Um, our parks are in operation for campaigns that are three months at a time. And our franchisees, according to the numbers that we've done in roughly four cities uh, with our corporate stores, uh, you know, they have a good opportunity to really make their money back by within six months. I mean, um, and so our current partners who are opening parks at the end of this year um, really are interesting stories. Like, you know, our franchisees now are, 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 they all kind of fit under the same checklist. They're all people who are passionate about families and delivering a good experience. You know, they love delivering something that they're proud of. They all want to activate their community's engagement. I mean, these are people that want to be involved in their community. They want their neighbor's kids to come. They want their office manager's kids to come. It's really about, you know, putting together a cool event in their own community. They all understand, you know, that disconnecting from your screens is a healthy thing. Yeah. You know, we all are addicted to our cell phones and some of our kids are too. And yeah. so, um, you know, a lot of our, actually all of our franchisees really understand that an event like ours is an opportunity for a parent and a child to connect outside the house that has nothing to do with the digital space. I mean, other than, you know, a couple of uh, photos that mom will make you take. And they're also all really progressive. They're all people who are willing to welcome people from all backgrounds. Um, you know, especially with kids, it's important for us to have a safe space for, for everyone to come enjoy themselves. We, at our Topanga location, we have had uh, numerous celebrities, John Stamos, uh, NFL players, NBA players that come to our space as like yeah. a safe haven to hang out with their kid, wow. right? And so it's really cool to see that and to get those types of inquiries where, you know, uh, a celebrity wants to come and says, hey, you know, make sure that our staff is trained when we do have celebrities not to bother them because it's important for us to be a safe haven for, you know, influencers and people alike. If they come to our space, they're not going to be bothered. They can have a great time with their kid. Um, now, with our, our current franchisees, you, you know, the stories are really unique. One of my franchisees is a former manager who ran my Arizona store part-time. Wow. He had a six-figure high-salary paying job, yeah. and he was doing me a favor, ran the store for me uh, over weekends on Saturdays and Sundays in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, and he really loved it so much that he partnered with someone who is involved in owning Chick-fil-A franchises. Yep. And, you know, for us, it's an added value because I have a guy I already like who's worked for me before yep. with someone who's a great resource, right? He's tapped into the Chick-fil-A franchises. And so for us, it's a good opportunity to be educated by a franchisee. Right. Another one of my franchisees was actually my uh, snow cone vendor in Sacramento. And he really just believed in my product. His kids were visiting my space almost every weekend. And, you know, he had to make some strong financial decisions in owning a park. But I mean, this is a guy who was selling snow cones at my space. Wow. All the business that we were doing every day and was interested in partnering with me. And, you know, him and I have a really strong relationship at this point. And then our final guy um, who's going to be opening here at the end of the year, <clears throat> we have three franchises that we've already sold Okay. Um, that are opening up. Our final guy was a customer who visited the Arizona store that the manager is running. And he sent us a cold email that just said, hey, I'm interested in owning one of these parks. He's a businessman who's already in the kids space, 
but he's interested in owning uh, something like this because he wants to educate his kids and pass on businesses to his kids. Yeah. And so all three of these guys, you know, um, they're, they're, they have a lot in common with both me and my partner, Lawrence, you know, we're really passionate about delivering good experiences for families. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I work with franchises too. And it's funny how customers can turn into franchisees and people I think overlook that they don't realize that there are potentially good franchisees in your customer base. So how good, how good does that feel, Ryan? Yeah. Right? It's, it's like, great. Yeah. You, you build something and someone says, dude, I love this so much. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, I heard you're going to be at Springboard Philadelphia. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be going there um, at the end of the month. Uh, we, I think, well, our president, Dave, uh, and myself are going to be there. I think we, we may, I think Dave may be doing a roundtable discussion and I'll just be there participating, going to the speaking events and just mingling. So are you, are you going there? I'm not going there, but I saw that you were, and I was curious yeah. uh, what, what the event was about. Maybe I should be going uh, so we can get get ourselves a cheesecake and I can learn a little bit. It sounds yeah. like you're pretty tapped in with the franchise network. Yeah, heavily in franchise technology, franchise sales technology. I try to give people good strategies using um, sales technology to grow the brand, giving, giving them content ideas. I think like what you have, doing things like this, like podcasts getting the videos out there, being active on social media. Of course, you already know that um, is a great way to get some content out there about the brand and not sell the brand, but just get people to know about it. Cause I think that brings interest in when people know about a brand that is this interesting and fun and family oriented. I mean, you know, it's not your typical, you know, burger stand or something. This is, this is unique. It's fun. It's different. It's cool. So and, yeah. and the most fun part is I actually have another concept. It's an indoor store that um, has been open for roughly a year and a half at a Westfield mall that was just sold. It's actually not a Westfield mall anymore. Excuse me. It was just sold from Westfield, roughly 500 million. The mall was sold. Um, and our space there is a 16,000 square foot permanent store that does hold a lot of the same offerings as our outdoor experience. Um, but it is a year round experience that is focused on delivering birthday parties for the community. So unlike my outdoor experience, where it's roughly 95% of my customers are coming from Facebook marketing and advertising and 5% are coming from walking the mall. My indoor store is roughly 30% birthday parties and, and 70%, you know, mall people and regular mall traffic. Um, so that store is pretty interesting because, you know, we're building, we've already done roughly 200 birthday parties in that community there. And uh, it's such a cool thing to have a piece of marketing where someone brings you 10 potential customers for a party. And if you deliver an amazing birthday party experience, they're likely to convert. So um, we're really focused on delivering good birthday parties for our indoor store. And hopefully that will be a franchisable model for us as a secondary option for investors down the road. Yeah, that's great. So I wanna ask you one final question. Before we mm-hmm. close up, this is where I want to get kind of deep in this question here. Like, let's say, Antonio, you met yourself, you're, you know, you're, you're 18 years old, you have <laughs> this, you don't know that you're going to have this future. What, what, what advice would you give your 18 year old self, maybe your 15 year old self now, knowing what you know? Look, I'm 28 now. Um, you know, some of the advice that I would give myself uh, if I could talk to myself at 18, I think that I would, you know, give myself a pat on the back and just say, 
you know, keep doing the stuff that makes you feel good. Uh, I remember at that time, I had a hard time making decisions about, you know, what to do with my life. And a lot of the stuff, you know, as all of us do at 18, right? Life's life's pretty hard at 18. Um, You know, and it could be something so small that just, you know, completely destroys your whole world or so you think. Um, There were some parts of my life when I was, you know, a young teen that I was really hard on myself that I should have just, you know, been proud of what was actually done and move forward, you know, and sometimes when you're hard on yourself, it can keep you from really being confident in upcoming projects. And so uh, it took me a long time to learn that failure is just a part of the process. And, uh, you know, if I could talk to myself at 18 today, I would just say, hey, be proud when you lose too. Um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, falling on your face, getting up and trying again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you're, you seem to be a kind of a little bit like me, overly ambitious. And when, you, <laughs> when you're like yes, that, I am, like, I am. Yeah. And you get kind of the imposter syndrome where you think like, I'm not doing anything good enough and, and it's like never good enough. And that becomes stressful, I think. So, and I, I felt that myself. So I kind of understand yeah, we all have to sit down and go, okay, cool it. Okay, just relax, enjoy life, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sometimes our ourselves can be our worst critics, you know. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's sometimes it's frowned upon to actually be proud of some of the stuff that you did or, um, you know, uh, to be happy with your accomplishments because it could be seen as bragging. But, uh, you know, if it took a lot of hard work to achieve something, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, this has been a good conversation, Antonio, and I think you got a great thing going. So more power to you. Where, where do people, um, where do people find you or reach out if they're interested in the brand, whether they want to become a potential franchisee or just come and, and enjoy yeah, it? Um, if anyone's interested in, in talking to me, us directly, you know, instead of dealing with a franchise salesperson, you know, you can reach out to me personally. I'll get with you. We'll hop on a phone call or Zoom and, and, and sort it out immediately. The email that I use is a at funbox.com. Um, it's real simple. So I want to say that one more time. It's just the letter A at funbox.com. Um, the, the reason for that is we use Antonio at funbox.com as kind of like a filter for media, press, influencers, spam, salespeople that I'm not interested in speaking to. Um, so A at funbox.com is, is the correct place to go. Awesome. Well, thank you, Antonio. Keep up the good work. And uh, yeah, let's keep in touch. Hey, man, I'll be in Vegas uh, the first week of October. I'd love to see you. I'm going to be visiting family and get a coffee with you and just kind of continue the conversation. Yeah, let's do it. That sounds good. Thanks. Awesome, man. Have a good night. Hey, everybody. It's Ryan here. Look, sales can be difficult. Maybe you're up at night thinking how you're going to make that next sale. Maybe your sales team is struggling and you don't know what to do. Well, I've written a book called Customer Relationship Management Exposed. It's designed to help you figure out a process and system to be successful in sales and grow your business like you never have before. With Customer Relationship Management Exposed, you can make the right choices to find the right sales system to increase your sales exponentially. Pick it up on Amazon today.